Welcome to Parker's podcast of the 8.30 a.m. service. Our service includes modern style worship and an on-time message from God's Word by Dr. Mac Amos. This week's guest speaker is Reverend Gary Cornelius. So as we continue to worship this morning, let me ask you a question. Have you ever been in a situation where something happened and at that moment when it happens, boom, reality sets in? You know, you just, you're facing something and you say, oh, I didn't realize this was going to happen. I read something the other day about four college students. They were juniors in college. So they were experienced in college. They knew how to study. They knew how to have fun. And they had a dilemma coming up. At the end of the week, they had a big test. But also at the end of the week, the night before the big test, there was a big party. And so they were trying to figure out how they could do both. And they came to the conclusion there was no way to do both. So they got together and they came up with a plan. The night of the party came and they went to the party. And they stayed out late and they had a good time. And they came in late, and the next morning when it was time for the test, you know what they did? They slept right through it. They slept right through the test. And they weren't even worried about it. They had gotten together and talked about they were going to get up at the same time the next morning. So they got up and they got dressed, but they got dressed a little differently. They got dressed and, and put some dirt on their clothes and some grease on their hands and their face. And they met together, and they headed to the dean's office. You see, they had concocted a plan. They were going to tell the dean that the night before, they had had a big church activity out of town, and on the way back home, they had a flat tire, and they had to push their car all the way back to campus. So that was their story, right? So they go into the dean's office, they sit down, they tell him the sob story, and the dean, being understanding as he is, he said, well, guys, I'll tell you what, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to give you three days... And I want you to come back to my office in three days, and I want you to take the test then. So they walked out of the office, man, they had it done. They had fooled him. Three days later, they go to the dean's office, and and they go in, and the dean's ready for him. And he does something a little different. He puts them in four different rooms. And he walks into the room, in each one of the rooms, and he puts the test down. And there's only two questions. Question number one was worth one point. Your name. Question number two, worth 99 points. Which tire was flat? (laughs) Can you imagine what set in and how reality all of a sudden hit those guys when they realized they had come up with a great plan, but they had missed something very important? I want to say to us this morning that we're in the same situation. This morning, I want to give us a reality check. I want us to look at God's Word and see how God's Word is telling us what is happening today is a reality check. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 4. And here's the deal this morning. We are going to look at reality, how we face it, but here we also are going to look at the dangers of ignoring the principles that we're going to lay out. We're going to look at 2 Timothy chapter 4. The first five verses. Now this is Paul talking to a young teenager. So you young folks in here understand. This isn't for for older folks. This is for all of us. He's talking to a young teenager. And he says some important things that I want us to pay attention to this morning. 2 Timothy chapter 4, starting in verse 1. 
Paul says, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. But you, Timothy, be sober in all things, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Here's the deal. What is reality? How do we face reality? And what are the dangers of ignoring these principles? I want you to notice the first thing that Paul says here to Timothy. He points out in these first couple of verses, Timothy, you've got to be ready. He says, Timothy, be prepared. He says, Timothy, preach the word. Now, how can Timothy preach the word if he doesn't study the word? Now, here's our problem today. I came across a survey the other day that that said they had surveyed Christians. Now, I, I get worried when I hear that because it's easy for people to say that they're Christians. That's just a term nowadays, unfortunately. But this group that they surveyed, 58% of them said God's Word could not be used as the standard for truth and morality in today's world. Folks, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, that's wrong. Listen to me. If this right here is not our standard, then we've got a problem. This has been around a lot longer than anybody else that's been alive on this earth. I don't care what commercials you see. I don't care who they're telling you to trust. If you don't trust this, then you're wrong. This is God's Word. This is the standard. This is the standard by which we live. And that is reality. God made it very clear that His Word has to be the standard. But too many times, we don't use it that way. I remember a few years ago, seeing on television our so-called leaders in Washington, and I use that term loosely because of the comment that was made. There was a health care bill that they were talking about passing, and they interviewed this one particular congressperson, and they asked him, said, what's in the bill? Well, I don't know. We're going to have to pass it, and then we'll figure it out. Now, I thought, okay, that's not real smart. But you know what we do? A lot of us claim to be believers, but when it comes to being able to use God's Word as the standard for our life, we don't even know what it says. Well, it says it somewhere in there. I heard another congressperson make the comment, well, it's in the Bible. I quote it all the time. I just don't know where it is. Folks, we've got to understand God's Word is the standard. Paul says, Timothy, in order to face reality, you've got to be prepared. And the way you get prepared is you study His Word. He just wrote this to Timothy. Look back in chapter 3 of 2 Timothy, verses 16 and 17. Here's what Paul is saying to Timothy. All Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. Listen to this. So that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. That's what God's Word is for. He says, Timothy, you've got to be prepared, and the way you get prepared is you study the Word. But guys, it's not just words on paper. John 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, 
and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The W is capitalized because that's talking about Jesus. Jesus is the living Word. We just got through singing about Him. We have a God that has given us the living Word, and that is our standard. And if we're going to be prepared, we've got to study and understand what God has said to us. But not only do we need to study His Word, we've got to share His Word. You see, we can't stop at just learning. We can't stop at just reading and say, okay, I understand, I see that, and not do anything with it. Notice what verse 2 says. Preach the Word. That word preach is not talking about what I'm doing right now. It's talking about proclaiming. That means every one of us have the responsibility to share what God has been doing, what God has taught us, what God is doing in our life, and what God's Word says. We have to put it into practice. Here's a verse for you. James 2.17. It'll be up on the screen too. James 2.17. Even so, faith, if it has no works, is dead being by itself. You ever heard anybody use that? Folks, I'm afraid that in our world today, the reality is they look at people who claim to be Christians. They even look at those who are in church, and they don't see that anywhere. They don't see the works lining up with His Word. You see, God wants us to be prepared internally so that we can live externally. If people can't see it being lived out, then the question is, Is it real? Is it real? We've got to study His Word. We've got to share His Word. But there's a danger. If we decide to ignore this, there's a danger. And the danger is it will become irrelevant. It means we won't count. We won't matter. I said this to somebody the other day about we have to be careful as the church, the body of Christ... Because if we're not careful, that's where we're going to end up. And they said, well, I don't think that'll ever happen. About six months ago, they shut down all the essential businesses in our country. Was the church open? If you think for a half a second that our world and our country, our, our nation, and even in our state, that they think that the church is essential, you need to wake up. Because they don't. And the reason they don't is because right now, they're not sure that what we have to offer is going to make a difference. And that's on us. We have to make sure that we let people know by the way that we live. We study the Word and we share the Word. We say that the Great Commission is our mandate. But I've had a lot of people, I've asked the question, look, I know things have been different and you can't make the same kind of contact, but when's the last time you picked up the phone and talked to somebody about Jesus? When's the last time you've called somebody and said, hey, I love you so much that I don't want anything to happen to you? Folks, have we stopped to realize what's really going on? God's Word says we have to be prepared. James 1.22 Here's what it says. But prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude or fool themselves. If we're not putting God's word in the practice, then we're not doing what God's word says. And I know a lot of people who say, man, I'm just not confident. 
I just don't know that I know enough. You're never going to know enough, but let me tell you something. When God calls you, you are ready. Think about that. When God calls you, you are ready. And here's why. Because God knows what's going to happen. God already knows. And when He calls you to do something, if you're nervous about it or you're a little scared, that's okay. Guess what you're going to do? You're going to depend on God. It's when we're overconfident when we get in trouble. But we need to understand. Paul says here, Timothy, be prepared. And it reminds me of a story I read not too long ago about a little boy who was in a tragic car accident when he was three years old. And he lost his left arm. But being a child that young, as most of them are, they are pretty resilient. So as he grew up, he learned to adapt to to, to only having one arm. And when he was about eight or nine years old, he went to his parents and said, I want to learn to do something special. He was really interested in the martial arts. So he got together with his parents and they went and they found a judo instructor. And they talked to him and told him what what they were wanting to do. And the judo instructor agreed to teach him under one condition. He said, if you will listen and learn everything I tell you, trust me no matter what. So they agreed. So for the first few months, his instructor, his sensei taught him one move. That was it. And after about three months, the little boy went to his teacher and said, look, I've learned that move, but when am I going to start learning something else? He said, you keep working on that. So he kept working on it, and he kept, the teacher came to him, his sensei came to him one day and said, all right, I've put you in a tournament. Okay, great. So when do I learn some more moves? He said, I want you to learn that one move. I want you to get better at it. So the tournament time came, and he got in the tournament. He was nervous, but he ended up winning his first match. Somehow, with just that one move, he won that first match. The second one came along, and he got a little more confident, and he won that one, and he won a third one. He ended up in the finals. The problem was, in the finals, he was facing a a boy that was a lot bigger and stronger than him. In fact, so much bigger and stronger that the referee actually came to his sensei and said, are you sure you want to do this? He could really get hurt. He said, no, he's well. He he can do it. So they went through the match, and man, the, the, the beginning of the match, that boy was punching him, and And it didn't look good. But somehow, and you know where this is going, somehow that little boy ended up winning. He won the whole tournament. And on the way home, him and his sensei were talking about what had happened. And finally he looked at him and he said, Sensei, I've got to ask you, how in the world did I win with only one move? He said, you won for two reasons. Number one, you almost mastered that move. But secondly, and most importantly, the only known defense for the move that you have is for your opponent to grab your left arm. You see, God takes our weakness and he turns it into strength. Paul says, Timothy, you be prepared. You be prepared. Leave the work and the results up to God. You study And you share. But not only that, I want you to look in verses 3 and 4. There's something else that Paul tells Timothy. Not only does he say, be prepared. He says, Timothy, you need to be perceptive. Notice what he tells him there. All the things are going to happen. I guarantee you, when I read verses 3 and 4 a while ago, you thought, oh, he's talking about today. 
If I read verses 3 and 4, does that not sound like today? Hello? Anybody? Does that not sound like today? You see, God's word applies just as much today as it did back then. And that's what people miss. You see, he says, Timothy, the time will come. We've got to have our eyes open. Folks, we need, listen to me, open your eyes. Do you not see what's happening in our world? The family is under attack more than ever before. And if you don't believe that, then you've got your head in the sand. If you don't think that Satan is still at work trying to steal, kill, and destroy, then you're missing it. Satan hadn't stopped one time. Satan hadn't gone into quarantine. Satan isn't hiding up somewhere. Satan's not worried about all the other stuff that's going on. He is licking his chops. Paul says, Timothy, the time's going to come. They're not going to listen to you. They're going to ignore you. They're going to do their own thing. The time is going to come. Let me ask you, what time is it? What time is it in our world? Paul says, Timothy, when you see these things happening, you know what it is. The time's going to come, but he also says, Timothy, they're going to turn away. They're going to reject. They're going to follow their own ways. Look at what it says. And will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. Okay? So let me just be honest. I saw a commercial the other day. Trust science. (laughs) No, no, no. Trust God right here. You don't trust God, nothing else is going to get you away. You can trust science, you can trust this, you can trust that. My Bible tells me that the only way I'm going to spend eternity in heaven with God is through a relationship with Jesus Christ. That is the only person that I can trust, period. And we need to understand that. We need to be very careful that our eyes are open and that we see what is happening in our world. Paul said, Timothy, please understand This is what's going to happen. People are going to turn away. You stay focused. See, we've got to be perceptive. We have got to be perceptive. We have got to see the reality of what's going on. But there's a danger. You see, and maybe nobody else in this room, maybe I'm the only one. Anybody in here been discouraged in the last few months by things that are going on? Anybody else willing to raise? Good. Glad to know I'm not the only one. Let me tell you why, and I'm talking to myself too. The reason is because when we are not perceptive, we get surprised or we get taken off guard, and that will bring discouragement. We need to be careful. See, what I have to do is step back and say, all right, God, as I look at your word and as as I try to figure out what's going on, I need to remember what you said. Paul told Timothy, Timothy, in the last days, here's what's going to happen. But there's another danger. There's a danger of judgment. We need to be very careful that when we do see what's going on, that we don't turn our head. Because you see, guys, God has not looked down and said, wow, it's 2020, I am going to ignore sin. Wow, it's 2020, there's some good folks, but they're all having to do some things that are crazy and whatever, so I'm just going to ignore it all. God does not ignore sin. And if we turn our 
eyes away and, and pretend that it's not happening, then we're going to be standing face to face in God's judgment. While all the shutdown was going on, less than 100 miles from here, there was a brand new 11,000 square foot, and I'm quoting, state-of-the-art facility being built and finished less than 100 miles from here. And it was allowed to stay open. In fact, they're getting ready to start, probably have already started now, performing abortions. They're essential. That's what the world's saying. Over 1,800 children are killed every day in our nation. That's considered essential. Folks, I'm sorry, but that's wrong. I don't care what you think. God's Word says it's murder. And if we turn our eyes away and we stick our head in the sand and things like that, and that's just one example, then we are going to be going completely against God. And again, that one's on us. We have to be willing to be perceptive enough to see what Satan is up to and what he's doing. 1 John 3, 13. This is a very simple verse. Do not be surprised, brethren, if the world hates you. Pretty self-explanatory. We need to realize that we're not always going to be in great standing. There are going to be times where we have to make a stand and say this is wrong. We have to be perceptive enough to wave the red flag and let people know where there's danger. December 26, 2004. The Smith family, who was from England, were able to go on their dream trip the week of Christmas. Their oldest daughter, Tilly, who was 10, and their youngest daughter, who was 6, the mom and dad, went on the trip to Macao Beach in Thailand. It was their dream trip. They always wanted to go during Christmas. So they had their Christmas Day celebration. December 26, they were out walking on the beach. And as they were walking on the beach, 10-year-old Tilly all of a sudden just started having a fit. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen your children, you know, be agitated about something. She wasn't acting up. She was disturbed. She was, she was worried. She started saying, Mama, Daddy, Mama, Daddy, something's wrong. There's going to be a tsunami well, people started hearing that. Her little sister heard that, started crying. Mom had to take little sister up to the hotel room to calm her down. Dad tried to get her up closer to the hotel. People on the beach were hearing this and going, what in the world? What in the world is she talking about? Making people agitated and disturbed and scared. And as, as her dad was talking to Tilly, a security guard overheard the conversation, walked up to him and asked him what was going on. A little girl said, I've been studying in school. When the water goes out, that means there's going to be a tsunami. There's going to be a tsunami. And the security guard started listening to the little girl, walked out on the balcony, started blowing his whistle, and got all 100 people off of the beach that day. They were agitated. They were frustrated. Why in the world is this little girl doing this? Go back and check it out. December 26. 2004, 230,000 people died from a tsunami that hit from an earthquake in the Indian Ocean, but not one person died in Macao Beach because a little 10-year-old girl was perceptive enough to see what was happening, and she paid attention and didn't worry about what anybody else thought. I want you to think about that. Paul's writing a letter to a teenager here, Timothy. God's going to use a young man to help change the world. 
And Paul's making sure he understands. The reality of it is this. Timothy, you've got to be prepared. Timothy, you've got to be perceptive. But I want you to look in verse 5. He tells Timothy one more thing. He says, but you be sober in all things, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. He says, Timothy, be persistent. Be persistent. Don't you stop. No matter what, when you get prepared and your eyes are open because you're perceptive, then you stick to it. If you look down, and this is not going to be up on the screen, if you look down in verse 7, Paul tells him, he says, Listen, Timothy, I have fought the good fight. He reminds Timothy that there is going to be a fight. This life is going to be a fight. Guys, listen, I wish I could tell you life's going to be easy. And we've all said, man, I'm ready for 2020 to be over. But it's not about that. Because God has put us here for a reason. He has a plan. And he is telling Timothy, Timothy, You have got to be willing to fight. He says, endure hardship. Be willing to fight. And then he says at the very end, he says, Timothy, fulfill your ministry. Answer the call. No matter what is going on, Timothy, you do what God has called you to do. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 8 and 9 say this. Again, he's talking to Timothy. Therefore... Do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of me, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel according to the power of God. Listen to this. Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace which was granted us in Christ Jesus from all eternity. He said, Timothy, don't forget that God has a plan for you. God says to us today, you fulfill your ministry. Today, what we need to be paying attention to is, have I given up on what God's called me to do? Because you see, here's the danger. If we decide that we're not going to be persistent, then we're going to quit. And if we quit, other people lose. I didn't say that. God's Word says that, 2 Peter 3, 9. And I've heard people say this, and please hear hear me. Please look at me for one second. Be careful. Be careful that you don't get caught up in, I wish Jesus would just come back right now. I'm just so ready. I've said it too. God's convicted me. That's selfish. Who am I to be telling God that he needs to come back now? His work is done. Here's what 2 uh, 2 Peter 3, 9 says. The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. God's will is that all be saved. He knows they won't. It's their choice. But he's got one more. That one more could be your family. That one more could be your closest friend. That one more could be you. The only reason Jesus hasn't come back back yet is because there's one more. And we don't need to be selfish with that. And we don't need to quit. There are people who are depending on us to make the impact. He says, Timothy, be prepared. Timothy, be perceptive. And he says, Timothy, be persistent. Don't quit. 
Several years ago, there was a pastor who was in a small town and he wanted to make sure that he taught his young son how to live and how to follow Christ. So every Sunday, after he would preach, they would have their family dinner and then his son and the pastor would go out and they would knock on doors and they would pass out little tracks. And he taught his son that it's most important that they go out and tell people about Christ because if a person dies without Jesus, they're going to spend eternity in hell. Well, this one particular Sunday, the pastor finished preaching. They went home to eat. We're eating lunch, and it was cold, and it was raining. It was just miserable outside. So the pastor was sitting there relaxing after dinner, and all of a sudden his, his son, who was about 12 years old at that time, came running there, Dad, Dad, you ready to go? And he had his rain jacket, and he had his dad's rain jacket. He said, oh, son, we're not going to go today. Why not, Dad? It's just cold. It's raining outside. It's just, it's just not a good day to go. But, Dad, don't, don't you know? I mean, there's people out there who could die without Jesus. That means they'd be, be spending eternity in hell. Dad, don't we need to go? No, son, I'm just not going today. Dad, can I go? Dad sat up and said, oh, I don't know if that's a good idea. No, Dad, I really want to go. I've got my tracks. Dad, I want to go. So he agreed, he told him what time to be back, and he let his son go. So he put his rain jacket on, and he headed out, and he went out knocking on doors. And it was almost time for him to come home. He had one track left, and he came to this intersection, and he wasn't sure which direction to go, and he just felt like God was leading him toward this house over here on the corner. So he went, and he knocked on the door, and nobody came. And he knocked on the door. And nobody came. And he rang the doorbell. And nobody came. So he started to walk down the steps. And he said he just couldn't leave. So he walked back up. He knocked on the door again and again and again. And he rang the doorbell. And finally, this elderly lady cracked open the door. And he smiled at her and he said, Ma'am, I want you to know that Jesus loves you. And this little book will tell you how you can spend eternity in heaven forever with him. You have a good day. He handed her the book and he left. The next Sunday, the pastor was getting ready to get up to preach and he just felt God leading him before he actually started his message to ask if there was anybody that wanted to share something on their heart. In the very back of the room, a little elderly lady stood up. Yeah, it was the same one that answered the door. She said, y'all don't know me. I've never been here. In fact, I've never been to church a day in my life until today. But last Sunday, I was at my house, and it was cold, and it was raining, and it was miserable outside, and I was just feeling so down and discouraged and so lonely. In fact, I have felt that way for the last five years because five years ago I lost my husband. I've been by myself. And she said, last Sunday afternoon, I'd had enough. So I took a chair, and I took a rope, and I went upstairs to my attic. 
And I took that rope, I climbed up on the chair, and I threw that rope over the rafters, and I tied a knot in it, and I tied a noose. And I put that noose around my neck. And about the time I was going to kick that chair out from behind me so that I could die, there was a knock at the door. And I thought, well, nobody comes to see me. I'm just going to wait. They're going to go away. She said, but the knocking wouldn't stop. The doorbell rang. The door kept knocking. Finally, I knew they weren't going away, so I took the noose from around my neck, walked down the steps, and she said, there was a little boy, the boy sitting down front, that smiled at me. And he told me that Jesus loves me and handed me this little book and told me that if I would read it, that it would tell me how to have hope and how to spend eternity in heaven with Jesus. And she said, I want you to know, I read that book, and I knelt in my living room, and I asked Jesus to come in my heart. I don't need that rope or that chair anymore because that little boy was so persistent that he wouldn't give up on me. Well, after she finished telling that story, you can imagine there wasn't a dry in the place. And that pastor went down and he hugged his son and there wasn't a, 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 a father and son relationship any better. There wasn't a father any more proud of his son that day. When I read that, it reminded me of how God sent Jesus out into a cold, cruel world to die on a cross and give me one more chance and to give you one more chance. Because he was so persistent. You see, folks, the reality is we're facing some tough times. There's some things happening in our world. I can't tell you how they're going to change. I can't tell you how they're going to turn out. But my Bible tells me to be prepared, to be perceptive, and to be persistent. So the question is now, now that you know the reality of it, what are you going to do with it? That concludes this week's message from Reverend Gary Cornelius. Additional sermons and reference materials are available from our website at parkermemorial.com slash sermon dash series. Jesus said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. I have overcome the world. We can help you know the one who can bring you peace. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at Parker Memorial Baptist Church, as well as our website at parkermemorial.com. May God bless you until we meet again.